0: And one of the things that we're seeing, you know, fairly commonly is patients and families feeling pretty frustrated because the medical system uh, is not perfect. And there's quite a bit of fragmentation. When one is uh, seriously ill and is having uh, recurrent hospitalizations, it can become very disorientating. And so people often begin to feel like they don't have a home base that they're missing details, that they don't have clarity on what to do. Welcome to the With You at Every Step podcast. We address your healthcare questions and help you navigate life's challenges. Our guests share their expertise and real world advice related to care for older adults, grief and healing, and pregnancy and parenting. Every Step is a nonprofit healthcare and human services organization offering dozens of programs that are there when people need us most.
1: Learn more about our free and low cost services at everystep.org. Thank you for listening. Here is our host, Holly Carver kim Welcome to With You at Every Step, our podcast regarding uh, all the things that Every Step does so well, uh including care and support, grief support, and of course hospice care. And with us again today is Dr. Tom Mosier, Chief Medical Officer for Every Step, and thank you again for being with us, Dr. Mosier.
0: Absolutely happy to be with you.
1: You know, uh I interviewed somebody recently who said that uh, they had heard about every step hospice, uh, you know, earlier on in life and and at the time kind of put it away in their head thinking, well, I'll never need that. Um, and then the time came where they did. And uh, I think that's how all of us think. When Nobody likes to think about the end of life. But when it comes and it comes for all of us, hospice care is a, a very good option for those with a serious illness.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Can you, uh, let's just start off a little bit for perhaps someone's listening who um, has heard the word hospice, knows a little bit about it, um, but really isn't clear on exactly what hospice care is. Can you explain that a little?
0: Absolutely. So hospice care um, is a, a service provided through Either Medicare, if you're under Medicare, or often through private insurance uh, separately. They have benefits um, for hospice that allows for a high-quality, multidisciplinary palliative care team to help provide an extra layer of support uh, towards aggressive symptom management, uh, towards the goals of good living, quality of life. Um, So it is, in essence, replacement of aggressive curative treatment for aggressive comfort treatment, um, helping one live to the best quality um, that they can until they die of their illness.
1: And, And I think that's the key is the quality of living because we associate hospice with dying, but it's really about making the best of the life you have in your final days. 100% yes. And those final days can vary. How uh, is there a certain uh, time that you start considering hospice or a situation where you consider hospice?
0: You know, I I always tell patients that when they get to the place where they feel like they are actually losing um, out on good living. Um, through aggressive curative intent, I, living in a hospital more than they're living at home or, or going from hospital to maybe a post-acute nursing home situation for rehab to home and then quickly decompensating. When they feel that they are alive and not living well, that is a, a time that I would highly encourage them to ask somebody about hospice services, if they would qualify because ultimately, far too often, we hear regrets that people didn't have a good understanding and didn't um, take advantage of hospice services earlier, and waited too long, at, and suffered unduly, and or just had poor living for a long period of time when hospice was able to provide for amplified living once they engaged.
1: And and I think. Uh most of us who have encountered someone uh, who is receiving hospice care, uh, they are suffering from an incurable illness. Let's say they have cancer or some other uh, severe life-limiting illness. But does it have to be something like cancer or can it be other situations that would qualify you for hospice care?
0: It's a good question. And it's a something that historically we've seen a lot of misunderstanding with a lot of people do identify uh, that cancer patients benefit from hospice, but certainly there are so many different reasons that somebody uh, may die and um, heart failure, lung disease, any illness that is causing one to decline towards uh, nearing end of life is a opportunity to take hold of hospice services because the training of the palliative care team is much deeper and much further beyond just cancer care.
1: And as far as um, the regulations or the parameters of coverage by Medicare or Medicaid, is there a certain length of time you're expected to live that makes you qualify for hospice care in those situations, or is that not the case?
0: Yeah, Every hospice benefit, whether it's Medicare or a private insurer that is offering the benefit, does want two physicians, the patient's identified physician of that, that kind of is their lead physician, as well as a hospice physician to use their best judgment and feel that in all likelihood they could have six months or less to live. Um, those um, judgments are Very um, rough, and sometimes we are wrong. Many times we're wrong, and people live much longer. But that does not um, mean they don't get services. It just means that we continue to provide services um, as we see fit based on our best prognostication of their
1: life expectancy. And we have talked before about people can go in and out of hospice care.
0: Correct. How yeah. does that work? Because those those judgments and our prognostication um, is anything but guided by um, a crystal ball of knowing exactly what's going to happen. There are many times that people who were in a uh, significant tailspin and and declining rapidly rebound and stabilized because of the services. And so um, many times uh, there's good news and bad news. The good news being I think we have been able to intervene in a way that has prevented you from dying like we expected. Um, Bad news being I think we do need to discharge you from services at this time based on that stabilization. Um, And that doesn't uh, mean that you don't get services Again, in the future, if you should decline again, it just means for here and now we feel like you have stabilized to a point that you are no longer at risk of dying from um, the the decline from your illness.
1: You know, along those lines. Um... If someone is in hospice care and they do suffer uh, an acute episode of something that requires them to go to the hospitalization or or could require them to go to the hospitalization for treatment, is that allowed under hospice care or is that taken into consideration when someone's in hospice?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, When somebody elects hospice, they have typically come to a place where they recognize That aggressive curative intent is not only not likely to be helpful, but hasn't actually resulted in um, help and oftentimes creates more problems than it solves. Um, As we apply aggressive curative treatment to somebody who has incurable disease, we oftentimes put them through an awful lot of suffering and discomfort to no avail, and oftentimes they they actually can get sicker because uh, when they are in the hospital, they are more vulnerable um, to infections and, um, and complications from procedures. So as we replace curative intent with aggressive comfort management, we often are able to provide for those comfort services in the patient's home, which helps them stay at home. In the event that we are not able to maximize their comfort in the home. And we are struggling based on the resources available in a home setting. At that point, the hospice benefit does allow for escalation to a level of care called inpatient level of care, whereby we would utilize either a hospice facility, like a hospice house, um, but not every hospice and not every state has hospice houses. So in that event, we would typically have a contract with the hospital to utilize inpatient hospice care in a hospital to get stabilization and symptom management.
1: Do hospitals have areas where they provide hospice care? Most
0: do not. Most hospitals um, would utilize a general um, inpatient bed in the hospital However, there are occasionally hospitals that will have a palliative care unit or some beds designated for hospice or palliative care. Um, So it kind of depends on the community and if the hospital has that arrangement.
1: Okay. And uh, I'm just imagining a scenario where someone uh, is in the hospital um, and they've been back and forth to the hospital, like you earlier described with, with some condition. Um, And as a family, they decide, you know, I'm, I'm tired of going to the hospital every two months in this treatment or, you know, it's, I'm not getting better. I'm getting worse. How do you start that hospice conversation or who do you, talk to? Do you talk to the nurse at the hospital or do you call somebody? How do you even begin that process?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit different than what we typically require when somebody needs a consultation with another provider in that typically you need to be referred to like see a lung doctor or a heart doctor by another doctor. But in hospice, Definitely families can reach out to the hospice and ask for a consultation and an evaluation towards appropriateness all by themselves. The other thing, though, we certainly would always recommend that you talk with the care team in the hospital, uh, talking with either a nurse um, or a social worker, asking your physician uh, who's over your care if a hospice consult would be something that they could place and or a lot of hospitals do have palliative care teams now. And so asking if a palliative care team could come and consult and talk to them about eligibility and potential benefits from uh, hospice services. So there's many different ways, but certainly um, the family can just reach out directly uh, to a local hospice. It's not uncommon. To have families reach out and ask. And if I don't think somebody is appropriate, then we'll educate them about the kinds of things that we would need to see um, and or um, answer the questions they have at that time.
1: I'm just curious, in your experience, have you has the the decision or the consideration of hospice care usually originated with the patient or with the patient's loved ones? or I, And obviously together they would make that decision too. But is there one way or the other that you typically see?
0: You know, I, I would say it's different for every scenario. Um, many times it is the patient themselves because they're the one who is most recognizing that their quality of life is very poor. Sometimes that's harder for family members to recognize because they're not necessarily experiencing the day in and out um, medical issues that that their loved one is. So oftentimes a patient is more apt to to ask for um, a ceasefire, so to speak, and the rapid onslaught of things that that, uh, we are doing to them that sometimes are not doing a lot for them. But uh, certainly there's times that family members recognize a decline and reach out as well.
1: There has to be a great level of trust between the family, the patient, and the caregiver and the hospice provider to know that you're getting the right recommendations.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And one of the things that we're seeing, you know, fairly commonly is patients and families feeling pretty frustrated Because the medical system uh, is not perfect. There's quite a bit of fragmentation. When one is uh, seriously ill and is having um, recurrent hospitalizations, it can become very disorientating. And so people often begin to feel like they don't have a home base, that they're missing details, that they don't have clarity on what to do. And so we often hear when they elect hospice a sense of great relief just from simply having a very robust team to help guide and navigate all of that complexity and help explain what's going on and help them understand maybe better detail about opportunities for improvement in symptoms and or a better living. So, um, That is, I think, the biggest oversight that we see when people make assumptions about hospice. They don't recognize just how much that peace of mind of having clarity can improve quality of life.
1: Yeah, there has to be a a sense of relief in a way where you are relying on someone else to make those big decisions and and someone else's expertise to tell you what's happening and what's coming next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Mosher, thanks again for being with us today to talk about hospice and uh, how to decide if it's right for hospice, if it's the right time, um, how it works. And we look forward to having some future conversations about this as well. Thanks for joining us uh, today for with you at Every Step. I'm Polly Carver Kim. And if you have any questions or need more information about hospice care or any of the services that we offer, you can go to www.everystep.org slash care, C-A-R-E, everystep.org slash care. And thanks again for joining us.